What is happening, Blenders? I hope you guys are doing great. We are officially on number 60 as far as the episode count. Not sure why 60 would be a particularly special number. I think it's just a factor of 10. My favorite number is 5, so anything that runs in the family, I guess, is pretty cool in my book. I think I've celebrated the more than 20,000 downloads, episode downloads for the podcast, which is just great. Good things are happening. Families are being touched, restored. People are getting some information to make all the difference in their unit, which is really cool. So I might officially make it a thing. I might go hard (laughs) whenever we've reached a factor of five and 10. Those might be my my let's keep it real episodes because that's what this is going to be today the episode title is are blended families really that hard question mark and i'm personally not going to answer the question until the end of this episode i want you guys to take a moment of silence we'll take five seconds again factors of five we'll take five seconds and i want you to answer for yourself Are blended families that hard? I literally gave you a moment to think (laughs) and you concluded something based on your personal experience or you're thinking about previous episodes that I've recorded and you're assuming what I am going to say. You know what happens when you assume you might be right, (laughs) but you also might be wrong. So I want you to keep your answer in mind and listen in to this episode. I want you to really hear me. I'm not necessarily going to get into specific scenarios. There are a ton of things that people experience that cause strain to their relationship and their exact scenario. But I believe there are three major things that destroy families. And this does not just apply to blended families. I I believe this applies to the family unit as a whole we see it all around us families just falling apart all types of combustion chaos and destruction transpiring obviously there are a ton of good things happening and much to celebrate but there is a consistent theme when i work with whether families or i'm going onto these pages that support blended families and there is just a constant spewing of a negative experience people asking if this gets any better there is a very unfortunate amount of people that are experiencing the devastation of their families falling apart or not knowing how to make a way out of the situation that they find themselves in so this all of a sudden becomes a a fair and a genuine question because there are people that genuinely want to know Hey, is this our lives together? Is this what it's going to look and feel like for as long as we are in a relationship? Is this the experience and outcome that is promised for all blended families? So again, as I stated, I am not going to answer that question from my perspective until the end, but we will go over those three factors that destroy families i think as we recognize these pressures that are essentially coming from our surroundings and our environment that are being produced outside of our family unit and then producing consequences within then we'll have a bit more clarity or a 
proper perspective concerning what's actually transpiring and maybe we'll end up landing on some solutions as to how we can remedy the situations that are happening what's happened before or even prepare for the moments of challenge to come so the first thing that we'll talk about is the fact that we are surrounded by a culture of selfishness that is a fact and it's a pretty undeniable one all you need to do is nobody's really opening newspapers these days but if you do it you'll see it you can scroll through the news really quick you can do anything and everything watch a movie just go outside come from up under the rock that you've lived under for however long and you will recognize selfishness and while in reality it may not be as rampant as it seems it exists in culture whether we're talking celebrity culture or whatever it is that's getting a lot of attention because we tend to place our eyes on things that are either falling apart or things that are naturally destructive that being any relationship that Kim Kardashian finds herself in. <laughs> That's destruction, but people tend to watch it. They want to see it miraculously succeed or they want to see it burn. I'm honestly very sad that I know anything about anything that's going on with those people but again this is the culture that we are surrounded by we naturally run into these themes into these names into these scenarios that are happening in the world and they are rooted in selfishness and then we are exposed to these things and they naturally and unintentionally or intentionally seep into the way that we think the way that we behave and they reorder our expectations for ourselves, the world, and our relationships. And what happens when selfishness begins to take root in our lives is that our wants, our expectations, and the desires that we have become a higher priority than they ought to be. Should we have wants, personal wants? Should we have personal expectations? Should we have our own desires? Absolutely. It's crucial, not just for our well-being, but for the operation of our family, our relationships, for work, for everything to to function on the cog as it should, for there to be a level of investment in ourselves and to be mindful of the things that we want and need and desire, tending to ourselves and making sure that our tank is full or just knowing the state of our tank is extremely important so let's do that however when we become corrupted in any capacity by selfishness then our desires transition from something that can serve the whole to something that serves me primarily i think it's absolutely hilarious <laughs> that there are so many people that will talk about self-worth self-identity self-care but the word selfish <laughs> <laughs> it never comes out of their mouth. It never does. And uh, as I mentioned, those things, to a degree, it's important. But so much of that is totally warped in what it actually should be, especially if you are a member and leader of a family. Because unfortunately, the pursuit of our personal happiness, our peace, comfort, enjoyment, pleasure, and satisfaction threaten our relationships 
And I know some of you aren't really hearing me right now. It's a little frustrating to hear these truths. But when those things are rooted in selfishness, they are a threat opposed to when those things ultimately serve the best interest of the family. When it comes to something like peace, comfort and our pleasure, those things are to be attained and pursued when it means that the family will benefit from them. They're not supposed to be just this is a me and my thing. You may be doing it alone. When my wife goes and gets her nails, she I love it. Wonderful. Is it 100 percent necessary on my end? It is not. But she feels better. She feels like the queen that she is all the more. And therefore, she just has a little bit of pep in her step. She's feeling a a little bit more sexy. I'm all for it. (laughs) That's more of that energy for me. I will take it. And me, if I go to the gym or something like that, I'm doing it, whether because I'm trying to release some tension, whether I am trying to improve my personal health so I can contribute that energy in a positive way back to my family. While in the moment we feel as if we are gaining something as a result of our desires that are rooted in selfishness, we are actually losing because our intimate relationships, our family is being threatened. And among the consequences are avoidance of difficult things, neglecting and or manipulating others for our gain whether we're doing this knowingly or unknowingly, uh, emotional or spiritual infidelity. There's adultery, abuse, divorce, and the list goes on. Like we can go as far as murder if you want. Uh, that Those actions are rooted in selfishness and they are practiced in small initially, but it only grows if not addressed The roots grow stronger and they take a deeper hold over our lives, our perspectives, the way that we think, the way that we behave. And the consequences are pretty much always destruction. And if you don't believe me, ask around. Go revisit some failed relationships, whether you want to talk to some friends. You can talk to your parents if those are individuals that have experienced a divorce or you've experienced something of the sort yourself and just recount the experience, ask questions, think about what somebody was doing or not doing. Was there self-preservation taking place? And there's oftentimes a reason that people point to to exercise some level of selfishness. But when it comes to marriage, when it comes to family, that's not something that we're supposed to do. We are supposed to be of service. Our hearts should be to outdo one another in serving. And don't get me wrong, that is a very vulnerable position to be in. And I am familiar with this difficulty because despite the vibe that you get from this podcast, I am not naturally affectionate. (laughs) It's not necessarily a strong suit of mine. But there are times when as much as I want to outdo my wife, oftentimes I am worried about experiencing some form of rejection which results in me pulling back and my family is harmed as a result. It's tangible because in good and in bad, whether we are investing for the sake of the family or our expectations are rooted in selfishness, there will be a ripple effect that is felt and experienced within the family. So that's the first thing that 
destroys families. I told you it is episode 60, a factor of five or 10, whatever. (laughs) So we're going a little hard. So selfishness. And if you have selfishness, if you are a little selfish, hey, I'm raising my hand right now. Okay, I'm in the boat. I have some selfishness that I am working on and we should all be in that process. But it starts with humility. And it doesn't matter if you are the less selfish party within your relationship. (laughs) I know some of you guys, your mind and your heart are set on pinpointing the selfishness of the other person. Okay, that right there is selfish of you. (laughs) Very selfish of you. Okay, we all have this problem to some degree and therefore humbling ourselves is necessary. So the second thing that destroys families is having a bad relationship with conflict. I definitely wanted to name that one having a conflicting relationship with conflict, but I just I just thought that'd be annoying. I I still shared it though. <laughs> I thought it would have been a hoot. But having a bad relationship with conflict can be a destroyer of family units. And I'm sure for some of you, this is the first time that you have been told that you have a relationship with conflict. And yes, you do. You absolutely have an established relationship. Maybe it's non-committed or maybe it's an off and on relationship and you guys have been going back and forth for years. Either way, you have a relationship with conflict and we all do. But for those that have a bad relationship with conflict, there are two layers to it. The first is there is a lack of adjustment to the conflict that you experience. And the second layer is that there is an inability to manage conflict generally. So for those that have a bad relationship, it is either one or two. And for some, it's both. That's when it's just dangerous territory and you have a very poor relationship with conflict. And therefore, it just produces a whole lot of strain within yourself and your relationships. But again, number one, a lack of adjustment to the conflict that you experience. That means you may face some things and you may be able upfront to deal with those things to manage in some capacity, but you tend not to be a very flexible person when it comes to conflict. And it may be specific type of conflict that you are not a fan of or you are more rigid concerning, but the lack of adjustment to the conflict produces even more conflict, again, both in yourself as well as in your relationships. And then there is that second and more dangerous tier of just the inability to manage conflict generally. When we have no desire for conflict and all we know is conflict to be the scary thing that there was no structure concerning, it's very likely that conflict was handled very poorly as you were growing up so you have no blueprint or understanding concerning what conflict is and how it can be resolved the fact that conflict can be resolved is is just something that's mind-blowing to you so there is an inability to handle conflict and guess what the blended family as you've learned or you will, (laughs) it has a ton of potential conflict within it. But conflict, the word in in and of itself, 
is not a negative term. It's essentially when two or more different parties or ideas come together. And while there may be some contradiction or tension produced as a result of those things being in the same vicinity and trying to jock for space, it is possible again to land on some type of resolve. So conflict can be as small as we don't have any milk for the cereal. Guess what? You have found yourself in some type of conflict, especially if you have a three-year-old that has her mind and her heart set on eating the cookie crisp. <laughs> this is These are conflicts that are familiar to some of us, and it can range all the way to there is a conflict within your marriage because of the presence of the ex and what that looks like. So just managing conflict in general can be very difficult for some people. There can be a, an extremely negative relationship based on no positive experiences or outcomes as a result of resolving conflict. So that's just a muscle that some people have not yet developed, which produces a bad relationship. You're in a relationship. Conflict happens and it's going to happen again. So it's important for us to recognize that we are, in fact, in a relationship and then to learn how to handle conflict for our sake and the sake of our family. And the reason why this C word is so conflicting, I did it again, um, is because it challenges our understanding. It shakes up our foundation, our convictions, our principles, the values that we hold tight to and believe in. And they can test our connections and that those being our relationships and bring us to our breaking points, to be honest. And conflict can happen in waves, whether it's a huge like tsunami type wave that happens at uh, the most random moment. Or it can be a constant battering of waves that transpires over an extended period of time. And the reality is conflict is no respecter of persons. So you are not going to get any type of special treatment, whether you have been doing all the right things or not. And there is a way that you can prepare yourself, that you can get right personally. You can sure up some of the cracks and issues that you've experienced within your marriage, with the relationships with your children, so that when conflict comes, you are more resolute. You are more able to withstand whatever the conflict consists of. So as we engage that relationship with conflict and we make it more of a healthy relationship, I don't want no conflict. I don't want no problems. <laughs> I personally want peace. I, I do. I am more prone to desiring peace. But in order to do family right, in order to function in my role as I need to, I had to. I had to adopt this different perspective concerning what conflict is and what things can be on the other side of resolving it. Because again, conflict is something that happens, even if it's in your home, it's something that happens on the outside. The conflict is produced in our circumstance. And then all of a sudden we have conflict within ourselves. And then that conflict is spread to our marriage relationship, our kids and our family unit. But we have the opportunity as leaders of our home and leaders of our family to address the conflict up front 
handle it so that all those important factors are well protected and they are taken care of. They are handled so that our family isn't under that extreme threat. And the third thing that I believe is resulting in families being destroyed, and it's the most important thing, that being the fact that God is not being invited into the equation. I came up with this little illustration earlier. It's almost as if you come up with a famous dish within your home. Kids love it. And one of your kids want to replicate it. They want to make it over. And you start telling them, hey, you're going to need some paprika. You're going to need some uh, garlic, some marts and mozzarella, whatever. And the child is just, shh, mommy, daddy, stop it. (laughs) And you're like, all right, go for it. Do your thing. And as they're preparing it, you smell it. And you know, it's a little off but you want to give them room to express their creativity let's see what they produce and they finish up and you can see from afar it kind of looks like what the original is supposed to consist of but as you get closer you know that this is not according to what you have produced this is not according to the famous dish that they're familiar with and in order to be a good sport you take a bite and couple chews in you you have to spit it out because you don't want to die <laughs> and this is essentially what the modern day marriage approach consists of instead of going to god the originator the designer the one who structured and purposed marriage and family we've come up with our own ingredients our experiences and expectations and we've tried to insert it in what he purpose and what he's created and as a result we have something that in moments may resemble the essence of marriage and what that's supposed to consist of but the closer you get to it the more intimately you look at what is being produced absent of god you can see very clearly that it is a makeshift version of what it's supposed to be or something that simply looks like the original but it sure does not function as it should it's funny because soon after my wife and i got married we just were like yo what is the point (laughs) of marriage absent of God. Well, like legit, what is the point of this? The the lifetime commitment for the sake of strong affection and love? Like it wasn't we realized very soon after that it wasn't enough. It's not it's not worth it. And we also realized that there's no way that this can be sustained absent of his intimate involvement and influence. The combination of the two, it just we we recognized the need for God in order to sustain this thing. And that would have been the case if we had achieved a nuclear family or traditional where all our kids are ours and we ain't we ain't got to deal with any of the extracurriculars outside of our home. But that is all the more apparent as a result of the things that we have to face in order to maintain the integrity of our family. When something is broken or we want to see how it works, what we do is we go back to the manufacturer. We go to the designer. If we break our phone, guess what? We're sending that thing back in to be fixed by the person that knows what they are doing, that knows about the phone, its intricacies and how we can produce the result that we desire. And this is not something that is practiced when it comes to family and marriage. 
we're making it up. We are pulling from things that we think feel good, sound good. Some of it may be challenging here and there, but we have to go back to the originator, the creator of the relationship. Again, this is not something uh, a bunch of men didn't come together and approach women and say, hey, what we want to do is we want to establish monogamous relationships and be committed to one of you just for the rest of our lives. That is <laughs> that is not something men back in the day would have done, nor would women have been successful as they came together and they established just a desire and shared it with a group of men and for men to be like, yeah, no, let's do that. That's just not <laughs> that's just not how it went. And if you have any reservations about any of that, I challenge you just to see what God has to say about marriage and family, just to find out what it says. And I promise you it will either surprise you or it will bless you or both it does both for us. Because, again, we're like, dude, what's the point? <laughs> and we also have no idea how this can be sustained otherwise. So as I promised, I'm going to answer the question are blended families really that hard and my answer is that it depends <laughs> it depends uh, there are so many situations there are so many things that happen both within and outside of the family so are they really that hard i think there are several factors that contribute to the difficulty. I mentioned three major ones that are gigantic and there I believe there is a direct correlation between the success of a family whether nuclear or blended and whether any of those things are present. But there is the rushing into relationships and the missteps that happen as a result. There is the committing ourselves to someone that we shouldn't have otherwise and naturally there is the difficulty of navigating relationships with whether an ex or stepchildren and generally speaking can we make it harder than it has to be for ourselves sometimes absolutely and i feel across the board there is a tendency for us to make things more difficult than they need to be but as we make a deliberate and collective effort to address these threats upon our family, then I strongly believe that the difficulty that we've faced in this question, the answer to it changes dramatically as far as are blended families that hard and are they challenging? Absolutely. Is family challenging in general? As you know, personally, prior to entering your blended situation, yes. Family has its challenges, yet the things worth fighting for usually come with a set of challenges. And if on the other side of those challenges are happy kids, a happy spouse, and a thriving family, then I believe it's worth it. You guys are amazing. Happy episode 60. I wonder what 70 is going to consist of. You know, <laughs> how do we follow this up? You guys are amazing, and we will talk soon. Peace.